38K News. It's one o'clock, I'm Pierre Tremblay. The headlines. The chief executive admits that the extradition bill is dead and describes the government's handling of the legislation as a complete failure. Carrie Lam says she's willing to hold an open dialogue with students but rules out a general amnesty over the protest and says there won't be an independent inquiry either. The Democratic Party says it's hard to believe the chief executive is willing to listen when she hasn't agreed to any of the protesters' demands and warns that public discontent will probably continue unless there's an independent inquiry. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, has declared her extradition bill dead. She said she felt the need to clarify its status after realizing that people are still concerned that it might be resurrected and resubmitted to the Legislative Council in future. Speaking as she headed in to meet her Executive Council meeting, Mrs. Lam admitted that the government's handling of the contentious amendments to the Fugitives' Ordinance had been a complete failure. She said the reason for the failure is because the work of her administration had simply not been good enough and that it did not have a good grasp of the public's views. I have almost immediately put a stop to the amendment exercise. But there are still lingering doubts about the government's sincerity or worries whether the government will restart the process in the Legislative Council. So I reiterate here, there is no such plan. The bill is dead. Mrs. Lam said there was an urgent need to reform the government's consultative machinery and to overhaul the Youth Development Commission. She also announced that she's now willing to hold an open dialogue with university students who last week rejected her offer to meet behind closed doors. I now readily welcome and uh, agree to do this open dialogue with our student representatives and we will follow up. I hope this open dialogue will be conducted without any prerequisites on my part or on the part of the students. But Mrs. Lam insisted that there won't be an independent commission of inquiry set up to look into the anti-extradition protests over the past few weeks. This comes despite calls by former Chief Justice Andrew Lee for one to be set up. While I uh, respect the views of uh, the Honourable Andrew Lee and also thank him for his support for me to continue to serve Hong Kong, I'm afraid on this particular issue of an independent COI, the view has been taken for the IPCC to perform this uh, role in accordance with their statutory functions under the ordinance uh, in order to provide a report on what has happened during that period for the public to understand. Mrs. Lam also dismissed the idea of a general amnesty for all protesters involved in clashes over the extradition bill in the past few weeks. Any demand that we should grant an amnesty at this stage, in other words, we will not follow up on investigations and prosecutions of um, offenders, is not acceptable because that uh, bluntly goes against the rule of law in Hong Kong and also deviate from the very important principle laid down in the basic law that no one should interfere with the Department of Justice prosecutorial decisions. Democratic Party Chairman Wu Qiwai says it's hard to believe the government's willing to listen to other viewpoints when the chief executive has failed to agree to any of the protesters' demands. And the lawmaker says without an independent commission of inquiry into the protests, he expects public discontent to continue. 
in order to investigate the whole issues and find out who should take up the responsibility for the wrongdoing and also to find out what is the procedural matters for the police to use excessive force and also what will be the fundamental political structures that has to be changed in the future. That will be the answer that has to be done by the independent inquiry commissions and it is the only way that the government can find a legitimacy for their future proposals. A member of the Mothers Group that organized rallies in support of student anti-extradition protesters says the chief executive's refusal to formally withdraw the extradition bill only shows that she's unwilling to admit defeat. But Ceiling Tang says Mrs. Lam's decision to hold an open dialogue is a step in the right direction. It's a very small step, and one also worries that if she says there's no precondition allowed, so if they wanted, for example, you know, to address the issue of independent inquiry, is she going to say, then that's a precondition, I'm not going to talk about it, and so I'm not going to meet with you. We don't know what that means. The cantopop singer and activist Denise Ho has addressed the United Nations Human Rights Council in Geneva as a guest of two NGOs. She asked the council to suspend China in light of what she called abuses by Beijing and convene a session to discuss how to protect Hong Kong people. She set out her concerns about the SAR's autonomy. Since the handover, we saw our autonomy slowly eroded. Disqualification of six lawmakers, kidnappings of booksellers and activists jailed are proof of China's tightening grip. Real universal suffrage is still non-existent. With the chief executive officer appointed and controlled by Beijing, China is preventing our democracy at all costs. Mr. President, the Sino-British Joint Declaration is a binding treaty registered with the UN. Yet after only 22 years, China is denying its obligations. The one country, two systems is nearing its death. Ms. Ho was twice interrupted with points of order by Beijing's representative, Dai De Mao. Speaking through a translator, he accused her of making misleading comments and failing to use UN-approved naming conventions. The Hong Kong Special Administrative Region is a part of the People's Republic of China. Just now, this delegate of the so-called NGO in her speech mentioned Hong Kong side by side with China. This is an affront to the principle of one China and the principle of the UN Charter. I'd like to ask you, Mr. President, to urge her to use standardized UN formulation when referring to places. Activists are demanding that Beijing free human rights lawyers detained during a widespread crackdown four years ago. More than 20 people, including members of the Hong Kong Alliance in support of patriotic and democratic movements in China, marched to the liaison office to call for their release. They chanted slogans and posted pictures of arrested lawyers on the gates of the building. Albert Ho from the Alliance said even those who've been released are still not truly free. Many of them are not able to work, not to mention that um, nearly all of them are under continuous surveillance by the uh, secret police. So in fact, they are transferred from a small prison to a bigger prison, namely the host, even though they are at home, they are still under 24-hour surveillance and um, continuous and repeated harassment and intimidation. Donald Trump has said he'll no longer deal with the UK's ambassador in Washington, D.C., Kim Darroch, following the leak of emails written by the diplomat which criticized the president's administration. 
Mr. Trump also attacked the way that the British Prime Minister Theresa May handled Brexit, accusing her of ignoring his advice and creating a mess. The BBC's Nick Bryant reports. The president's warning via Twitter that he'd no longer deal with Sir Kim Darroch, coming into almost immediate effect. Sir Kim was disinvited last night from a dinner held at the White House for the Emir of Qatar, at which the president was in attendance. And another test will come later on, when he's scheduled to accompany the International Trade Secretary Liam Fox to a meeting with the president's daughter, Ivanka Trump. The ambassador is still planning to attend, but now he finds himself in this diplomatic limbo, waiting to hear whether he'll be let through the White House gates. Christian publishers in the United States have warned that proposed new U.S. tariffs on Chinese goods will increase the cost of Bibles and may force them to discontinue some editions entirely. It's led one publisher to describe the measure as a Bible tax. The BBC's Kat Wiener reports. President Trump's plan to impose new tariffs on a further $300 billion worth of Chinese goods will include books and other printed materials, sounding alarm bells for religious organizations and publishers in the United States. That's because China is the world's largest producer of Bibles. HarperCollins Christian Publishing, which has more than a third of America's Bible market, warned of higher prices for churches, schools and ministries, saying three-quarters of its production costs were incurred in China, while religious groups argued that they would no longer be able to give away Bibles for free. Back locally, and former Chief Executive Tung Chi Hua has told a conference that it's time to start looking at Sino-U.S. trade in the wake of the meeting between President Xi and President Trump on the sidelines of the G20 summit last month. Mr. Tung, the founder of the China-United States Exchange Fund Foundation, said he hopes to see people make an extra effort to support U.S.-China relations. It is timely that we get together at this moment. People will say so soon after the meeting, but that's exactly the point, to discuss its impact and importance to all of us. I'm glad that today and tomorrow we have an opportunity to thoroughly discuss many important issues, and I hope that our discussions will not only be useful to you, but that they will encourage you to take extra steps in support of the very important U.S.-China relations. The U.S.-China Trade and Economic Relations two-day forum at the Discovery Bay Hotel ends tomorrow. Whole teams of Deutsche Bank staff in Hong Kong have been handed redundancy notices and sent home, along with colleagues elsewhere in Asia and beyond. The bank's beginning the process of cutting 18,000 jobs. The BBC's Theo Leggett has more details. Deutsche Bank was trying to do too much. It had too many fingers and too many pies and got burnt as a result. It moved away from its origins as a business bank, a retail bank, and wanted to become an investment bank. And generally trying to get into every line of business that was out there that could possibly give a return. And around the time of the financial crisis, that came back to haunt it quite badly. Unlike many of the large US banks, it didn't cut back its operations very quickly, and it's feeling the after-effects of that. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,113. That's 220 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $38 billion. Currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 108.76 yen, the euro standing at 1 U.S. dollar and 12 cents, the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 76 cents. Sports, here's Adam Jones.
We start with football's Africa Cup of Nations, where Tunisia are the last team to book a place in the quarterfinals. They got past Ghana on penalties. In the earlier game, Wilfred Zaha was the hero as Ivory Coast beat Mali. Details from the BBC's John Bennett. For the first time since 2008, Ghana have failed to make it to at least the semi-finals. And for the first time in Cup of Nations history, Tunisia have managed to beat them. Taha Yassin Kanisi scored what looked to be the winner for the North Africans with an expert low finish. But in injury time, the Tunisia sub, Rami Bedwi, headed it past his own goalkeeper. Jordan Ayew missed a great chance to win it in extra time, and it went to penalties. Tunisia changed their goalkeeper. Farouk Ben Mustafa came on and he made the only save of the shootout, Caleb Ekuban failing to score. Elsewhere, transfer speculation rather than match-winning performances dominated Wilfred Zaha's Africa Cup of Nations in the group stage. But in Suez, he became Ivory Coast's match winner, scoring the only goal against Mali. Extra time beckoned before a long ball over the top wasn't dealt with by Mali, and Zaha fired in with just 14 minutes to go. It's Algeria next up for Ivory Coast. Paris Saint-Germain say they'll take appropriate action after Neymar failed to show up for the first day of pre-season training. The world's most expensive player has been linked with a move back to Barcelona. More from the BBC's Joe Linsky. The club's released a statement saying the Brazilian missed the first day of pre-season training without their consent. This contradicts quotes from the player's father in the Brazilian media, which said the club were aware he wouldn't be back to start on time because of charity commitments. All of this comes just a week after the Barcelona president, Josep Bartomeu, claimed Neymar wanted to leave PSG this summer, and the player is still being strongly linked with a move back to the Spanish club. Neymar had to watch his country win the Copper America from the stands on Sunday. He's still unable to play because of an ankle injury. In baseball, two rookies ran head-to-head in the final round of this year's home run derby in Cleveland. The title went to Pete Alonso of the New York Mets as he outlasted Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of the Toronto Blue Jays. Alonso clinched the title by hitting his 23rd home run with 20 seconds left on the clock. Guerrero Jr. ran out of gas after an epic second-round battle against Jock Pedersen of the LA Dodgers when the two combined for 70 home runs. Guerrero set a derby record by launching a total of 91 balls out of the park. The All-Star game will be played tomorrow morning, Hong Kong time. And that's your look at sports. Adam Jung reporting there. To end the news, our top stories once again. The chief executive admits that the extradition bill is dead and describes the government's handling of the legislation as a complete failure. Carrie Lam says she's willing to hold an open dialogue with students and rules out a general amnesty over the protests and says there won't be an independent inquiry either. The Democratic Party says it's hard to believe the chief executive is willing to listen when she hasn't agreed to any of the protesters' demands and warns that public discontent will probably continue unless there's an independent inquiry. The news from RTHK. With music, news and information, this is Radio 3. My love. my love, my lover, 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 I'm in paradise whenever I'm with you. My mind, my mind, my, 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 my mind, well, it's a paradise whenever I'm with you. Ride on, ride on. Well, I will ride on down the road, I will find you, I 
will hold you, I'll be there. It's long. Well, it's a mighty long road, but I'll find you, I will hold you, and I'll be there. I know you heard it from those other boys, but this time it's real. It's something that I feel it. I know you heard it from those other boys, but this time it's real. It's something that I feel it. If it feels like paradise running through your bloody veins, you know it's love any way. If it feels like paradise running through your bloody veins, you know it's love any way. My time. Time will it's a never ending helter skelter. We'll be out whatever the weather. My heart, my boom boom, heart. It's a beat and it's a thumping and I'm alive. 